You're listening to the Maximum Advisor Podcast, a show that empowers financial advisors to set goals, take action, and grow their practice. Your host, Chip Munn, is an award-winning advisor and CEO whose advice is regularly featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Streets Retirement Daily. Listen in as he sits down with industry experts to talk about building a practice and making an impact. Welcome back to the Maximum Advisor Podcast. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm joined by Coach Joe Lucas. Joe is the founder of the Magellan Network and a coach to lots of successful financial advisors. Joe, welcome to the show. Chip, my pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. As we talked kind of earlier, I have heard you on several podcasts and, and have learned a lot myself and thought it'd be great for our listeners just to have an opportunity to hear you really share some of your wisdom. Before we jump into strategies and tactics, though, tell our folks a little bit about you, about how you got here. Great question. So I'll try to keep this brief because it's a story by itself. So I've been coaching advisors for 26 and a half years, and I've only coached advisors in that time. How I started, believe it or not, was I was living in New Jersey at the time. So I went to work for the Tony Robbins organization, the big dude with big teeth, late night, all that jazz. And lower Manhattan was an open territory, and I didn't know any better. I said, I'll take it. So I rode the train into lower Manhattan, actually World Trade Center at the time. And I cold walked brokerage houses and wire houses, and almost like a wholesaler. Most people didn't realize Tony Robbins has a whole corporate training division that you would never see on TV. And so I was a part of that division. And we would do sales training, productivity training, all these kind of trainings for Wall Street, basically, for, for stockbrokers back then. And after doing that for a couple of years, I had guys and actually gals are coming up to me and wanting to share their goals and everything with me and uh, wanted my consultation in achieving these things. The problem was I was on pure commission. And if I didn't sell another program to you, I didn't eat. And so I made the decision with my wife being eight months pregnant with our first child to leave the organization, got some ugly business cards printed up, went back out there on a Monday. And basically the way I started Chip, I went to all my former clients I said, give me an hour of your time, give me your three biggest challenges, and I'm going to give you a blank invoice at the end of that hour. You write down what that time was worth to you, and you cut me a check or cash. That's how I started 26 and a half years ago. How about that? It's always funny to hear how folks ended up in our business. And I have a partner who started, I don't know that it was the World Trade Center, but he was selling business phone equipment. And he said, you know, Mm -hmm. I couldn't come back to work without 50 business cards every afternoon because he would have to hump it up and down and, you know, no solicitation. And so there are a lot of paths to get here. And, you know, one of the things that I've found in my conversations recently kind of with advisors is in addition, there being a lot of paths to get here. Here's a really weird place right now, because as you know, I mean, it's been a unexpected year. You know, nobody woke up beginning of the year and said, hey, we're going to have a pandemic, a hurricane, a tornado, murder hornet, who knows? And so I'm curious, there are also a lot of kind of paths out. And so you coach a lot of advisors. I'm curious, let's talk a little bit about where we go from here, because a lot of our listeners are growth-minded advisors, want to really start with goals this year. What's the important part about kind of trying to dig ourselves out? 
So I, I think a couple of things. I think uh, number one is if an advisor can shift and pivot their game, there's no reason why they can't accomplish their goals for this year. Every summer, all my clients go through what we call a mid-year review process. So probably this year, probably about 80, 85 reviews I've looked at in that timeline. And I would say, you know, 80, 85, 90% of my tribe, they're, they're in striking distance of making their goals for the year. And, you know, look, a lot of that is just kind of things outside of our control, right? We have the big market dive in March, and then July billing looks real good, right? And we're getting set to reach new highs as we, as we record this. So, you know, I think part of it is that recognize that the goal is still possible. The how you're going to get there is radically different. So this is about fixed mindset versus flexible mindset. If an advisor's got a fixed mindset saying, well, this is the way I do things, this is the way I've always done things, and now you can't do these things anymore. You can't do seminars, you can't do networking, you can't do client events, and your brain is like, well, I can't do anything because I can't do what I want to do. Yeah, then you're kind of screwed. And, and that's just you know the plain truth. But if you're willing to say, okay, what is possible? What is working, right? What's working today? And there are things that are working. As I'm sure you're experiencing in your game, clients are giving you referrals, people are retiring, people still need help. So in our game, commerce has not stopped. And what I remind my advisors is, hey, before you guys get a little crazy on, oh, this is tough out there and we got to deal with this pandemic, thank God you're not in the restaurant business. Thank God you're not in the travel business. Thank God you don't own three bars, right? Because then you're really in a world of hurt, right? I mean, we're talking years probably on that here. We've had a little inconvenience. We've had to do a little shift in pivoting. Nobody's going bankrupt in our game. And we all should be grateful for that. Because I think if you can be grateful for what you currently have, then your psychology is going to enable you to say, okay, well, now how do I go play? Versus, you know, we're not like everybody else. And this is what I've always said for many decades. Advisors create their own economies. And the way you do that is by the action you take. You know, hey, you want to go enlarge your, you want to have a good growth game in your economy? Go raise some assets. Go get some new clients. Go ask for some referrals, right? Because Chip, think about this. There's no correlation here because there's been times when the economy is great and advisors, they suck economically. And then the economy can be not so great and advisors can have great years. It's a non-correlation in our game. And I think advisors have got to stop listening to the outside noise or look at it and say, you know what, I understand that, but it really doesn't apply to me. Because you're not, if you lump yourself in with everybody else, then you're going to get results like everybody else. I think that's part of it right there, which is, you know, declare that this game is different because I believe it is. I don't know if you ever ran into Payne Center brand, PSB. They were a big mural team 20 years ago. And one of the things I heard as a young advisor a year or two into the business mm -hmm. is one of them was speaking and they said, if this business was easy, everybody would drive a Taurus and make 40 grand a year. It is what yeah. it is. And so I think that what we're finding is that the best advisors are, to your point, I think the word pivot probably can be overused, but flexible mindset and saying, you know what, there are things that I can do, but I think that. You know, for me, the overwhelming echo of, of what I hear is, but I can't go out and see people and I can't go mm -hmm. out and do the things that I usually would do. What do you say to somebody who is kind of stuck in that? Well, we're going to have a conversation around the facts. Forget about what you feel. What are the facts? Here are the facts. Number one, nobody's seeing anybody right now, right? Number two, our society whether we like it or not, has really embraced virtualness. 
And, you know, the big challenge was, and we, and I've heard these objections for many years. Oh, you know, I've got older clients. They're never going to get into zoom or all this other stuff. And what happened was that their religious scenario pushed it because when the churches and synagogues and everything went to virtual services, because they had no choice, those people figured out how to use Zoom real quick or Facebook Live real quick. And so I've got clients today who have told their clients, hey, Zoom or GoToMeeting or WebEx, what it doesn't matter, whatever the flavor is, this is now our new face-to-face. And I've got clients who are embracing it. As soon as you start talking to your clients about, hey, this is how we're going to do things going forward. It's convenient. You could be anywhere. It doesn't matter. And you position it as a, hey, you know, this is not something temporary we're doing just to try to get by, but this is a real shift in, in how we're doing things, then it's fine. I mean, I talked to a, an advisor the other day and he says, I can't get this virtual thing. I, I need to look him in the eye and shake their hands and kind of pat them on the back. And I said, well, you can still look them in the eye. You can still see their body language. Shaking hands right now is probably not such a good thing and may never be again the way it used to be. Who knows, right? And the reality is you could be in this room now for 30 minutes. And then you could be in another room for 30 minutes and another room 30 minutes from then. And guess what? Nobody's coming in your lobby. You're not jumping in your car trying to get from meeting to meeting to meeting. And at some levels, this is very efficient and effective, right? So I really think it's about that's a limiting belief. I can't do X or I'm not comfortable doing X, right? Well, if you're not comfortable with something, any human being is not comfortable with something or doesn't think they're good at something, they are not going to do a lot of it period, right? Given a choice. So in my game, it's about putting my thumb in their proverbial backs or a kick somewhere else. And I got to get them moving forward. That's my game. So it seems to me like right now, one of the things that folks struggle with is the notion that I, I thought you nailed it, which is the, I'm just doing this for a little while. You know, like it was only, is it's a little bit like my partner says, you know, this thing was supposed to last two weeks and then it became two months because we went fully virtual for quite some time. And eventually in his conversation with me of wanting to come back into the office, it became a, we thought it was going to be something. And I think that one of the biggest mistakes that people can make, especially now, is the idea that we're going directly back to anything. I, I think that we almost are better off playing out the idea that it's going to be like this forever. And if it mm-hmm. goes back to something, because what I think I heard you say was that gets us out of the mindset of feeling like we're surviving. And now we've adapted and we've just developed a new way to do business. Right. Yep. I go back to the story. I tell many of my clients when we're having, when we're having this kind of conversation, I go, do you remember what it was like to travel September 10th, 2001? jump on any airplane, there's no security, stuff like that. And then boom, in an instant, that all disappeared forever. And travel has never gone back there. It just hasn't, right? We have a new thing called the TSA, all this other stuff. So what do we as human beings have done? We've adapted, right? We've adapted and we've moved forward. So case in point here, and I agree with what you're saying, is that you know there is no going back to pre-pick a date, March 15th, March 10th, doesn't matter, right? There's no going back. There's just going to be what is new or considered as a new normal, like travel. You know, in 2002, 2003, and, and it took, if you look at studies, people didn't really start traveling again for another 12 to 18 to 24 months after 9-11, right? People started getting into that new normal mode, right? So we're going to have that same kind of process where we're just going to have to kind of figure out what that's going to feel like over the next several quarters to what that looks like. But 
mark my words, there's no going back. There's no going back. So what I would recommend everybody does is, you know, get off that conversation because it's not a good one. It's not going to serve you. It's not going to serve your clients and say to yourself, okay, so if this is the state of play right now, to further notice, right, TFN, then what does my game need to be? What is my approach? How do I grow? How do I serve my clients, right? And, and I think also, this, and this is a very important chip, how do I take care of myself? Because one of the challenges as an industry we've had since this whole thing started is really massive amounts of burnout. And not because we're working so hard, we've just been under all the stress and pressure and nobody's going to take their two-week cruises and going out, take the family vacays and right and doing this and doing that. So there's this kind of Groundhog Day approach. Is it Sunday? Is it Monday? Saturday? I'm working out of my house. I don't know what day it is. And that's what I noticed in my mid-years. I said, one of the things I had a lot of my clients do is, hey, how many days off have you had in 2020, year-to-date versus first half of 2019? Again, I don't have, you know, it's 80-somewhat advisors, but it's 70% less this year than last year. So we have a real issue where we have advisors that are like in zombie businesses. They're emotionally and mentally and you know, spiritually burnt out. They're coming in and doing what they need to do, but their goal is to get through the day. They're frustrated and they don't know what to do. They don't know what to turn. They don't know how to turn it around. And this is going to sound very counterintuitive. I'm not ordering, but I've been highly recommending to everybody. Look, you guys got to go somewhere. I don't care you rent a house somewhere. Just get out, change the scenery for a week or two. You got to do that, right? And I've had clients that have done that now over the last couple of months. Slowly, I'm starting to kind of get everybody back in that kind of local happy place. Nobody's really jumping on the airplanes. And it's helping. And this is always going to be a business of energy, mental, emotional, and physical energy. And we tapped a lot of that out this year, just trying to get through this, right? I've been telling my tribe, look, this is an ultra marathon. So just when you think you got 26 miles done, oh, you're not done. You got another go. And you're going to hit many walls. There'll be days when you don't want to do this anymore, that you're going to want to quit. That's going to feel not good. And it's okay. It's like a runner expects those walls. We don't know when they're going to show up, but they're going to show up. And if you know they're going to show up, it doesn't freak you out. Like, okay, I need to take a couple of days off. I'm in a wall. I need to get away from the game. I need to go chill out, maybe do nothing, maybe take a hobby or something and just get out of the game. And advisors need to do a much better job in giving themselves that permission to do so. Yeah, I think that we've been for a long time, again, that, that mindset that this isn't going to last long and I'm going to go really hard because the advisors that I talk to, they're givers. I, they are passionate about helping and leading and, and being there for clients. And when you're going through a, a push for a couple weeks or a month, you know, some folks do surge yep. meetings and things like that. You can do that for a little while. But this has been one of those things that if you aren't taking care of yourself, there is no other end to get to that we know of. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's like the old put the mask on. You said to me, I think 75,000 airline miles this year that you would have gotten. So you've heard the speech a thousand times about put your mask on before you try to assist other passengers. And I think That's right. that you can't pour from an empty cup. And so if you're listening to this and you're tired, I think we both get it. I never realized how long eight hours could be until I sat in front of, now I know what my kids are like with the Xbox, right? It is sitting in front of a Zoom TV all day, but it is imperative that we take care of ourselves because you can't do anything for anybody else if you 
you're the product, right? Ultimately, if you wear yourself out, there's nothing left to give. Now, Joe, we mentioned that as a limiting belief. What are some of the other things that you see folks struggling with? What are some of the roadblocks they're dealing with right now? A lot of advisors, let's face it, their environment is not their normal environment. They're not, they're working from home. They're not working from the offices, right? So uh, there's been a big, at least in my conversation with my clients, a real, hey, do I need to really build a home office? You know, I've been kind of working from the dining room table or I co-opted a spare room, right? Do I really need to kind of put roots down in my home? And the answer to that is yes. You know, irrespective of what's going to happen down the road, my thing is, I think every advisor, you should mirror your technology. If you've got three monitors at your office, then you've got three monitors at home. I mean, everything, technology is cheap. So just go do it, right? But I think, I think they struggle with that. I think there's also the struggle, and this is kind of just our industry piece. We have a real desire to know things. We need to be in the know, right? Just because a client asks a question, we need to kind of know what's going on with current events. That's a very slippery slope. That's like saying, well, I want to toast a marshmallow, and I'm going to go inside a nuclear reactor to do so, Right. You will toast a marshmallow along with many other things, right? So I think there's also has to be we struggle with our information flow. Look, I believe and I understand we need to know what's going on in the world around us. Saying you can live in a cave doesn't work in this game. But if you've got nothing but a newsfeed on all day, I don't and you don't care your flavor, right? This Fox, CNBC, I don't care, right? But if that's all we're grabbing from the time we get up, we grab this first conscious thought email, news, and that's how we start our day, it's a big problem. It's a real, real big problem. There's information overload and then throw the social media on top and advisors have got to be really, really careful, very judicious about their information flow. And I think a lot of them, because when the crisis hits, what do we human beings want? Knowledge. How do I solve this, right? What action do I need to take? I need to educate myself. And we've kind of been in that flow now for several months. Unfortunately, we've created these new habits, which I think at a lot of levels are counterproductive and they don't serve us. I think it's appropriate at this point for us to talk about some ways that people can deal with that. I think that you hit on mirroring your tech. My tech at home is better than my tech at work because early on, within two or three weeks, I'm a quick start on the Colby. I'm a nine, I'm off the charts, quick start. And one of the things that I said was, all right, well, I'm going to be doing this for a while. I'm not doing it like this. You know, bought the stand-up desk, went ahead and kind of did the, I don't even have two monitors in my office. I'm that guy. But at home, I do. And so mm-hmm. now, you know, the whole Vera desk and all those things, my office, I, I didn't want to go back to my office because my thought was if I'm going to be here, I'm going to make it as comfortable as possible because I'm spending it. And I had done that, of course, at work. We all had. Yeah you know, all of a sudden it becomes a, I might as well do what I can to make myself comfortable. I'm not spending money on travel. I can buy an extra monitor for home or a stand-up desk. I've got extra time at home. I can figure out how to build things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You and I are, for those who are listening, we're on Zoom and I've done the lighting and and I can tell Joe that you've got a professional setup. It's one of those things that the longer you're going to do it, you might as well spend some time doing it right and and figuring out how to make it as easy on yourself as possible. So what are some of the other things we talked about the tech you mentioned information flow. Do you have anything in particular that you would recommend other than just don't watch the news? Are there any other just kind of tips or tactics that you suggest? Yeah, you have to have a powerful morning protocol. 
how you spend the first 30 to 60 minutes of the day, especially in the advisor world, sets the tone of the day. And so if we're reaching for the news and email, first conscious thought, we've already quote unquote screwed ourselves. So my rules are very simple. Number one, no news for the first 30 to 60 minutes of the day. Trust me, whatever bad has gone on in the world will still be there in an hour. Unless you're trading futures and options in Asia or Europe, it's irrelevant to the typical advisor, right? It'll be there. And most guys get up between 5.30, 6.30 anyway. The market doesn't open for hours. There's nothing you could do, right? So it's just a bad habit. So devote the first 30 to 60 minutes for yourself. So here's what I like to see. Number one is I like to get some personal development work in. So whether like listening to your podcast in the morning, right? Like get something that's going to add value to your game, right? No news, none of that stuff, right? That's number one. Number two, a lot of advisors have abandoned their goals. They may even put actual business plans together and they've gotten away from that. And, you know, here we are, you know, like I said, you know, September, there's still a lot of year left. And here's what I don't want to see. And I'm very sensitive to this. I don't want guys or advisors to get into this. Oh my God, it's almost fourth quarter. The year's kind of shot. It's going to be the year of the pandemic. And I'm just going to get my game together in January. I'll just recast everything in 2021. Our game doesn't work that way. So at minimum, what I want everybody to do is treat the rest of this year as a trial, spring training, testing period, whatever you want to call it, to get ready for 2021. 2021 starts October, not January. And so come up with, I don't care, like we use these, you come up with a one page, here's what I'm going to get done between now and the end of the year, right? And get moving forward. I think that's super important. So have something you can review every morning. Then the next thing, quite frankly, is, and I don't think we do enough of this as a society, I would love to see everybody do at least one act of gratitude uh, in that first 30 to 60 minutes. You can text a colleague, a family member, a friend, uh, thank a client for being a client. When we do gratitude, you know, mentally, it just puts us in a different frame. And uh, I'd rather be in a frame of gratitude and abundance and being appreciative, right, and thankful than wondering what's going on in the world, right? I'll get to that later but I want to take care of me first, right? So I do think there are some things advisors need to do and meditate and, you know, just kind of, you know, have a meeting with yourself and ask yourself, what am I going to accomplish today? What is my game for today, right? Because what this whole scenario has given us, unfortunately, is a very much a read and react approach to business. And I would say this, my gut been serving me well for many decades. I think a vast majority of this industry, a vast majority of our profession, quite frankly, is playing defense. They're hanging in. They're hanging in and hoping, as I like to say. And there's the their minority, you know, is out there killing it. And I got guys who are out there doing webinars and Zoom casts for clients bringing a guest, opening up million-dollar accounts, never visiting with the person, doing everything on Zoom, paperless applications, ACAST, and everything. And so I know it can be done. You know, this is not theoretical anymore. I think back in March and April, there's a lot of theory going on. How's this going to work? How is a society going to accept the virtual scenario, what we do, right? And I think the jury has come in on that. I've got guys who are literally leases are coming up this year. They're not renewing their leases. You know, they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to go virtual. I'm going to do anything via Zoom anyway. My clients like it. I may be, especially like in a city, hey, I'm going to be here in a year. I may want to relocate somewhere else. So I think there's just going to be the seismic shift that our industry is going to be facing. And, and it's going to be very interesting, you know, chip with the wires with these big branch infrastructures, right? All that overhead that somebody's got to pay for, right? What do they look like in five years or even two years? So that's going to be, as an observer in this industry for decades, 
That's going to be something we're very, very interested in over the next five years. What does that pivot really look like from an industry standpoint? Do we really, really end up going way more virtual because we've been forced to? I don't see everybody running back to their office. I just don't. No, I like it. I didn't go back to my office five days a week because, and neither did our staff. Uh, we, we went to a rotating kind of work from home. So I don't think that anybody, I've, I've read several articles recently about training departments and how a lot of companies now are reevaluating that because you can't, I guess in their mind, bring a new person into the business right now because all the old ways don't work. And I think it's fascinating. And we went through that. I think that one of the reasons that we have the gap now that we do in the older CFPs versus the new ones is the fact that we had that gap for several years after 9-11 that, mm-hmm. that there was no more in 2008 again. And we're seeing it start again where they're pausing things, they're changing goals, they're doing a lot of things that are, I mean, for those of us who are already in the business, it's awesome, right? Because yeah. we're here, we're here. We're yeah. If you're a young person in this business, I promise you, this is one of the best things long-term that could have ever happened to you because it will give you an opportunity not only to work with more clients because, I mean, uh, let's face it, for 10 years, nobody's been that keen on moving an account from Joe to Samantha because their performance has been pretty good. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, now we're finding out who's swimming naked. And and for those young people, you're going to get a big chance. Not only that, there are some folks in the people that I talked to, Joe, they were thinking about retirement and they aren't going to want to go through this again. So if you're a young person listening to this, the, I don't think the opportunity is going to get any better than it's going to be in the next couple of years. Yeah, I want to comment on that because I think you hit something. And I think we share a very similar belief there. So my daughter, she graduated UCF this year. She's going for a CFP study. She's going to come into our game. And I told her, I said, you know, this will be the one of the best careers for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And I said, number one, you have a lot of advisors who are going to be retiring. We all know the demographics are in our industry, so there's no question there. I agree with what you said. We've had a couple of wipeouts of young advisors, you know, 9-11, 2008, 2009. I think the big firms have no clue on how to develop new talent, millennial talent. They're just going to, you know, we're not going to do it because we can't do it successfully. But, I mean, to be a young person and to come into this game, whether you come in, whatever door opens for you and you establish yourself, you show me another profession where you can make six figures part-time. And that's not some like, you know, tongue-in-cheek comment. I've got clients to do that. Life balance, stay-at-home moms. I mean, you if you want this game now with technology, you can serve anywhere in the United States depending on your licensing and really niche if you want to. I mean, our game is going to get so powerful over the next five years. I'm just excited, you know, and this is the thing with all this craziness going on. I still have not lost the fact what this has caused is actually an acceleration of what was going to happen anyway. I predicted for over a decade the adaptation of technology and virtualization and all that stuff back in 2006, 2007. And I really thought it was going to take that next-gen millennial X, you know, XPYNR, if you want, coming in to really kick it for us. But this pandemic has forced the entire industry, ready or not, into it, right? And those advisors who adapt and embrace will thrive. You kick your feet. Oh, I can't wait till things go back. I'm not going to do this Zoom thing. Hey, I mean, you're still going to make some money, but you are not going to be, you know, expanding. You're going to be contracting and trying to slow that contraction. 
Well, and like in anything, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you've got an older client base that are taking distributions, I've heard some call it the burn rate. If your burn rate's too high and you're not worried about growth, you'd be better off finding somebody to work with. And so one of the things that's interesting that you say that it's sped up things that you thought, one of the things that I thought several years ago is that we were going to see virtual teaming and the use of virtual staffing and being able to have one of the things that we do at my company is we centralize a lot of services. And so instead of five offices, each having to have a person, we just have one who's really good at it, who in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases doesn't work in any of the same geographical areas as any of the offices, but they are the marketing specialist or the whatever. And I think that, again, we've gotten five years worth of growth in four months because all of a sudden people had to do it. And and I think that it's going to be amazing to watch some of these changes. Now, Joe, one of the things that you said that I wanted to circle back to kind of as we start to wrap up is take a look at the end of the year like it's an experiment, like this is getting ready for. And, And I thought when you said that, I imagined myself kind of going into the evil scheme like lab, right? And we're going to have a period of time that not only are we trying to, you know, we haven't given up on our goals, but we're also using this as a springboard, kind of that coiled spring for 2021 as well. What are a couple of things that folks can do now to be getting ready for and to finish the year strong? Great question. So, you know, it's going to sound pretty basic, but I believe the basics are always very fruitful. So look, I mean, let's ask a very important question. If I'm looking for a new advisor, where are my options to currently find them? I'm not going to run into them at the local chamber of commerce meeting or the rotary meeting, right? I'm really limited to two things. I'm either going to ask my friends and family who they use, or I'm going to ask my other professionals, my CPA, my attorney, who they recommend. So if you're an advisor listening to this podcast and you're not methodically and repetitively reminding your clients you're open for business, you're here to serve, you're here as a resource for friends and family, people that they know, you're missing a tremendous boat. Coupled with, if you're not reaching out to your CPAs and attorneys and reminding them, because we have seen in our game here, a very real uptick in COI referrals to my clients because there's nowhere else to go, right? And the same thing with people still retiring. Unfortunately, people are getting laid off. The early distributions are available. So there's just, there's a lot of money in motion. I know sometimes it doesn't seem like that with everything going on, but I look at my clients and we look at the assets we're bringing in and it's actually better than typical year. So I just can't subscribe to the, well, we're in this and we just gotta wait to get through it and, and then we go. So I think number one, get your referral game solid. Number two, get your COA game solid. Number three, get your daily and morning game solid. This is a business of habits and rituals. And there are only two columns, things that support your game or things that damage your game. And so if you've got some things that are going on habitually, and you know, look, a lot of people, because they work from home, well, I don't have to commute. I'll stay up a little later. I don't need to worry about getting up. I don't need to go put the suit on. So there's been this kind of this freedom thing, which is kind of nice at one level. But on the other side, you got to get the counterbalance back and get some discipline in your game, right? So morning rituals, daily game plans, business plans, game plans. You need to come back up to your protocols and run them as if you're really in business, which you are. You know, nothing's really changed. Just, it just doesn't feel like that 
who are not in the office, right? I would say that's what everybody needs to do. And, you know, have the psychology, quite frankly, of growth. You know, we're going to have to muddle through this a little bit. But make no mistake, you know, the biggest trench of boomers are coming to retire. The biggest tranche of advisors retiring is coming. I think we're on the very cusp of it now, as a matter of fact, as I, as I kind of get a feel for that. You know, the next five years, if you're a young person, the next five years can set the course for the next 30 or 40 for you if you take advantage of it. I heard a quote. It's interesting what you were saying about the decisions. I heard somebody telling the story about, I think it was the English rowing team for years and years. They had done it for a hundred years. The I guess the crew, like the crew team, and they had never won the Olympic gold medal. And it was such a big deal. And I think it was in the eighties that at one point they adopted one core focus. And that was, they ran everything through the filter of, does it make the boat faster? That's it. Mm -hmm. Every decision came down to, does it make the boat faster? And so for advisors, I think that for those of us who are really ready to go out and dominate, go out and get it, that's the question that we have to ask is, is what I'm doing going to make the boat faster? One last question, Joe, because I'd be a fool to have you not ask. You mentioned a couple of times COIs and reaching out to and getting referrals. I, I can't let you off without you giving a tip on how folks can do that, because I think that everybody loves it as an idea. But when I'm on a group call with a bunch of younger advisors, they don't know how to do it. What, what's one thing that they could do? I'm going to give you like three real quick because I think I, I does prefer better. So number one is it's always going to be easier to deal with the COI when you have commonality with someone like you're like, so you better senses for your clients, CPA attorney. But here's the thing. If you're dealing with executives, they may have used an executive coach. If you're dealing with business owners like, like me, I'm a business coach, right? I deal with advisors, right? Coaches have a lot of influence on their client because the nature of the relationship. So don't get myopic with, okay, CPA and attorney, those are my COIs, business coaches. I mean, just look around who's around this number one, number two. It's about timing, 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 and being in front of them. You know, COIs is what I call strategic business development. It's the long game. So you don't measure it in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You know, you've got to have these other professionals inside of your game for many years. It takes time to develop. Most advisors don't like that idea. They like it here and now, right? So you need to kind of, you know, make it a part of your game. But if you're a younger advisor, you can't make it the entire part of your game. You'll starve, right? Trying to get there. And then quite frankly, the last thing is don't take the approach of, well, I can help all your clients. Figure out how to add value to their world. Figure out how to bring resources to them. Trading resources, an article here and there, whatever you need to do. Remember, the law of reciprocity, right, from Robert Cialdini. Help somebody get to where they want, and they will reciprocate and help you get to where you want. So be a giver. Don't go into any situation looking to be a taker or, oh, I can help everybody and just send me your people. Not going to happen that way. I think it was Zig Ziglar, right, that said you can get anything you want by helping enough other people get what they want. And, and I think mm -hmm. that's, I think you nailed it. Joe, how can folks, if they want to learn more about you and what you do, what's the easiest way for folks to get in touch with you? Probably just my brand website, coachjoe.guru. So C-O-A-C-H-J-O-E.G-U-R-U. Pretty simple, right? Everything is there. All the links to all my other sites are there. It's just my central my central destination. Awesome. It's not every day I get to talk to a guru. So I appreciate you being willing to come on and share with us, Joe. It's been great. 
Chip, I've enjoyed our time together and uh, thank you for uh, letting me be a guest on your show. For sure. And if you're listening to this and any of it resonated with you, go and check out Joe's website and what he's about. I've really enjoyed it. I spent some time on it even today. And if you have a specific question, if you're looking to buy a practice, if you're wondering whether or not you should make a move, reach out to me. Join our Facebook group. We're at Maximum Advisor. Just look us up on Facebook or shoot me an email, chip at MaximumAdvisor.com. If you've got something you want to talk about for 10 or 15 minutes, let us know how we can help. That's what we're here for. I look forward to seeing you again real soon. Until next time. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com slash scorecard now. Join the conversation in our private Maximum Advisor Facebook group. And subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.